Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to We Want to Talk About It Now. Um, as always, we have a big shout out to Julie Gibson, our one subscriber, and we'd like to thank her for her continued support. So I have two special guests on today. I call them the creators. And what that means is that they are the people that created me. <laughs> I have my mom and dad on, uh, Peggy and Monty. I just figured I should take this opportunity while while they're out here visiting to talk about um, something that I think a lot of people, one, don't know a lot about, or two, look down on. And I think that's a very, at least in today's culture, and I think that's a very unfortunate thing. So I want to kind of talk with someone who, well, two people really, one person who who lived the, the Vietnam War and then another person who had to live with their significant other being away in a different country serving for the United States Army. Um, so that is what we're going to be talking about today, and I just want to welcome mom and dad. My dad was born in uh, 1940, so just to put some perspective, that was before we dropped the atomic bomb in World War II. It was a while ago. <laughs> uh, my mom was born in 1946. Um, they ended up meeting uh, circa 1963. And before I was recording this, I was talking with them a little bit about it. And they actually have a kind of interesting story with one of the key players in the Vietnam War, which I guess is kind of unfair because technically it wasn't a war. Um, Police action. Yeah, the Congress never declared war <laughs> against them. Um, but yeah, so what day did you guys meet each other? We, November 22nd. November 22nd. 1963. So just to put that into Luncheon. perspective, they met, so that'd be two weeks before JFK? Or, that was the day. Oh, it was the day JFK was assassinated. Who knows what would have happened, um, but it's interesting. They met the day that JFK was assassinated because of that, um, Lyndon B. Johnson took over from being vice president to becoming president um, in 1963 and going into 1964 when everything sort of... What, what was it like pre-the pre like draft, ultimately? What was, what was America like at that time? Well, my whole thing about the draft was get married, don't get drafted. <laughs> if you have to have children, have children. So we started working on that, too, just to stay out of the military, but that didn't work. <laughs> Um, Tell me like I see it. How, how, how did, what was your like draft number or whatever, your draft card? You know, I never really knew that. I mean, personally, I never, never thought I'd get drafted, so I didn't watch that number. Mm -hmm. I just played it later until I got the message in the mail when it was time to come visit with them. <laughs> they sent you a message? Like they just e like mailed it to you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. So there were people who would be like watching to see if their number gets picked, and then other people just found out right. via mail. Right. I mean, we didn't have computers and things, so the only way you could be watching would be through the mail or on the news. And, of course, the news today is really different than the news. They didn't have a thing, a person that stood up and said, number three, it's your turn, number four, it's your turn. You just usually got the information in the mail. Limited communication. Uh, what? I mean, I guess I kind of already know your thoughts on the draft based on... Based on you saying that, yep, you got to get married and have kids to not... Um, what are your thoughts on volunteer army versus a draft army? I think that's... I a, think volunteer is the way it ought to be. 
those who want to go, you know, it's, it's in their blood to go fight wars, go fight wars, you know. I mean, how many people really want to do that to begin with? Mm-hmm. To be a killer. Unfortunately enough, just killing chickens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that's something that I've been uh, thinking about a lot lately. That was the last time that we had the draft was yeah, Vietnam, yeah. as far as I know. Yeah, so. And I think... That's also like the last, not, not, not to say, I don't like using the word that like it was a war we lost, because once again, it wasn't a war. But I find that it seems like the volunteer army thing has kind of, I don't know, like, pers- me personally, I feel like someone who gets drafted into a war is significantly more honorable, in a sense, than someone who just volunteers for it. I guess ultimately, though, being drafted means you volunteer, in a sense, too. And what I mean by that is, well, like, you could have not gone. I could have left the country, I could have did different things, too. Yeah, I mean, we have we've had we've had people who've become president. We've had people um, who who tried to dodge this particular war that you ended up going to, and so I think there's something to be said about the people who are like, all right, I got picked and went, as opposed to those who are just like, all right, got to get my college deferment. I got to get my college deferment. And it goes so long. Yeah, <laughs> there's like so, there's such a difference in like, and there's and to me there's a huge difference now versus then, in I feel like. We, we honor the wrong military, if that makes sense. We honor, we're like, how do I say this? I feel like we need to be honoring these people that saw time and saw horrible, terrible things, as opposed to just being like, oh, you were in the military, so you are like this automatically a hero. Does that make sense? So what you're saying is people who actually served war should be honored rather than those who served on their own soil, like stayed in America and, and served in America. I don't know, as a veteran, what your thoughts on that are, because I know that we have, I feel like we have an honoring our vet- veterans problem, and I, what I feel like a lot of people do is, like, they'll point at, they'll, like, use Vietnam veterans as an example of this is why we need to be honoring our vets, but then they all they push it almost too far, in my opinion, where it's like, well, and also all these, because technically... Um, I don't. I don't. I actually don't know if this is true. Isn't technically, uh, uh, my brother Sean a vet? Technically, yes. Oh yeah. Um, and I, I and for me and I think a lot of people would agree on this. There's a huge difference between what you did and between what he did. You both went to Vietnam, but there was for completely different <laughs> for completely different reasons and a completely different year. And yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Your, yeah. your son did not serve in <laughs> Vietnam with you <laughs> because you wouldn't have been drafted if you had a son at that time. <laughs> there you go. That's the right. Problem right there. <laughs> Um, but I think I, I do think that the volunteer army is a lot better, and yes. I, I just I just hope that we're not doing well, a lot of. It's the ones who want to do it. That's the whole thing with the volunteer. If you don't want to go to war, you're not going to volunteer. Did you run into a lot of people that like, even though they weren't like, even though they were drafted, were like super amped up on going? Does that make Born sense? Going after they got drafted, you mean? Yeah, like after they were drafted, like yeah. Well, yeah. Most of the guys that I knew was you know, hey, let's get it over with. Yeah. Kill the goose and go home. Yeah. And it's a little different now. A lot of times, well, in today's wars, they go over for what, a year, they come home, then they get sent again uh-huh. and come home and get sent again. And with the draft, people that were drafted, once they did their year or their two years, they came home. They weren't sent out again. You well, know, it wasn't a week. The ones who really stayed in was the ones who could see the, the money value of staying in the service to have a you know, government job. Security. Did it pay well? 
No. no. If you didn't have a job at all, I did. No. Well, there's a lot of security in the service. Yeah, they get lots of things. You know, somebody's taking care of you. Yeah, medical and all that stuff. Well, everything's... And you ultimately aren't paying for food, you aren't paying for lodging, it's just money that's going to wherever you want it to go. Yeah. Right? You don't have a mortgage. Well not, well, well, not when you're serving. Not when you're serving. Right. So that was the advantage. Speaking of mortgages, you get better mortgages. The vets do. Yeah, there has, there are, there yeah. are, um, there are. A, I don't want to use advantages, but there are some perks. Benefits. Yeah, some benefits. Yeah. After you got home, you just have to know how to find them. <laughs> how, how, like this is kind of neither here nor there about Vietnam, but like, how do you feel about um, the stuff that we're involved in today, like Iraq, Afghanistan? Syria. We've got the biggest bomb that's just get over there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's why I say it. You know, that we're pussyfooting around with people over there that are playing or ringing our chain. Mm-hmm. You know, I just grab that chain real tight and say, guys, you wanna, here's our bomb. Let me see your bomb. It's like that one guy that says, well, we got bombs too, don't forget. Yeah. yeah. Ours are a little bit bigger than yours and faster. Do you ever, like, when you think like that, do you ever, does Russia ever concern you? Like, I'm sure. I, I'm assuming well, you, you're probably also at a stage in your life where it's just like whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Russia's probably just uh, they're just there because that's where their country is. Yeah. Um, I bet you a lot of Russian citizens are probably really like to be living in America. Do so. You so you get drafted, um, and I think you kind of stated your thought was just ultimately like, all right, well, let's get it over with. And how long was I it? Two years. I was about to run from the draft, you know, type of a thing. You get caught and end up spending some. You could actually get spent some time in jail for dodging the draft and trying to hide out, and they didn't get you. Instead of going to the, then instead of going to war, they're gonna put you in jail instead. What are your thoughts on that? Like that's why you like a volunteer army more, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because then volunteer, you don't. Because those those guys want to be there. That's the whole idea behind the volunteer. Because that maybe they because of their education or any other reasons, hey, I'm going to the military to get some kind of training in the military. Come out with an aviator or whatever type of thing. Probably most of our uh, pilots in our big planes now all came out of the military. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you want to try to fly the big planes, go in the Air Force. That's one thing I kind of don't understand. Is I feel like I mean now we're at that point, but I felt like we were at that point then too, where we wouldn't even need. Uh, feet on the ground. Like I feel like our, our technology was good enough that we had planes and... We have to have our... In Vietnam? Yeah. Uh, that, that was a different war. Yeah. I mean, was, I know there's a lot of hiding through tunnels, going well, through the yeah, jungles. I try to find the good guys and the bad guys. And, you know, like I say, it was a, it was a whole different type that of... That was probably one of the hardest things is, is by day they might be friends and by night they might be enemies. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like if they, when they were fighting Germany and their lines, and you cross over the line, you know, you you're now in German yeah. territory. And did you ever meet people like that? Were the, would you like? Would, did you ever or ever hear stories where it's like, oh, that person that was like at our camp the other night, there they turned on us. Like as far as they'll be coming to our camps. Well, because I think what you're what you're referring to is you mean right. like Vietnamese right. people. Vietnamese, some of the Vietnamese people could be your you friends know, by I day. Never, I never felt uncomfortable with any of the Vietnamese people who came into our camp because they were all looking for work. They wanted yeah. to do your clothes, make your bed, or whatever they could do. 
and they would do anything just for that. And they, their biggest thing was to get our garbage. Yeah. If they could have our garbage that we've been throwing out to the pig pens, they would do anything that uh, old, make you bet anything. Do anything for your garbage. Yeah. Oh, and like when you're saying garbage, you just mean like your scraps of right. food scraps more of than food. anything. Yeah, yeah. right. Then how, that was that to them? That was dinner. How was the food? Good food in the military was all right. Yeah. yeah, I never had trouble eating it. You, know, you get hungry, you're gonna eat. Did you have? To, did you? Uh, did you like go out on patrol a lot? I don't exactly know what your. No, I know that you were a driver I, uh, and stuff like I that. I had a few times where I had to be on uh, guard duty at night. Yeah, that's all I get to eat about three or four o'clock in the morning when it's real quiet and you can hear all the funny noises out there. And, <laughs> you know, like you tell the guys to get out of there to shoot the pistol, see if there was anybody out there, and you know that's. Back then, you didn't want to be out after dark in those areas because you didn't know who was be shooting at you. Yeah, and did you did you guys feel pretty secure in the camp though? Like, was it easy uh, to sleep at? No, no. I mean, we slept with our guns, but we didn't have to, you know, worry about anything. Were you carrying an M sixteen? Guard duty. You had people guarding you while you're sleeping, so I didn't have trouble sleeping. And nice beds, those cots. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice, nice big cots. Camping cots. Single, <laughs> see, single with like just a nice. Two inch layer of, of foam that you might have. Not even had, foam. You know, they had different ones, and I ended up with one of those with the with spring mattress type of things, and the whole thing. It's who you know there to get the, you know. I know there's a lot of guys in the supply department down there, and because they always want to be able to get a free ride into Saigon for whatever, and I knew I could take them. So they give me all the whatever I needed that way. It's, it's kind of like I say, it's who you know in the military. How long were you there? Two years? One year. One year? Yeah. Man. He was there from December of 65, I would guess. No, 56. 60. 66. Oh, it was 56. It was to, yeah, it was not 56. <laughs> <laughs> to October of 67. So he, he had an early release by two months. Okay, so he had 10 months. Mm-hmm. What did we have to do to get that? You know, other thing, if you do this, we'll let you go home early and that time. Man, so, you, so uh, once you get this, you'll do all those kind of things so you get out and go home early because you know when you go home, you're done. Do, do you know, were there people that would like try to intentionally injure themselves to get out? Oh, yeah. They had some guys in there. Yeah. Yeah. And they kind of knew who they were to you know, have us keep an eye on them. Well, the, the, so it wouldn't get too out yeah, of control. Yeah. Just don't let him sleep with his gun because he might think you're the bad guy coming at him. And, you know. yeah. and so, man, 10 months... I was always under the impression that it was significantly longer than that. <laughs> uh, but just be that, and that's just based on like all of the the stories. Like I don't know, it just seems like a lot of stories for just ten months worth of time. Where where were you stationed? Then well, just outside of Saigon, down the Tins road about a half hour. Do you move a lot, or was it just that that was no, your? No, we got we were like I said, we were guarding the uh, fuel dump, a great big you know those big giant. Great big ones you'll see on the freeways, very seldom, but once in a while. Those are great big giant tanks. That was my biggest concern because they, <laughs> they blew that up. Because when they were mortaring, they were trying to hit them tanks. If that tank would have went up, it probably would have wiped out Saigon almost, you know, type of a thing. But uh, it's what you can do. There's nothing you can do about it. It was Tonsonet Air Base. Tonsonet, yeah. Did, because I know the, the, at least with the shrapnel story, well, the shrapnel story, did you get uh, mortared a lot in not, the barracks? Not a lot, no, but it only takes once. Yeah. To get your. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Tension. 
did, um, and you'll never forget it. That goes back to like when you come home, that stays with you forever. Home, I was at the V, was standing on the corner somewhere, and and a car backfired, and I hit mom on the ground. He said, "What the hell are you doing?" I I thought that was an incoming. Was that a fairly frequent thing that happened afterwards? Like, would there be like, like was, or was it like there was like this time? Like, yeah, it was five years afterwards. It didn't take a long time, but it, it was a little while before you got used to big noises that get your attention real fast. Did D have? Um, he never went. He did. He got married. You got he married. Kids. Well, you're both. Did he, he have got, kids? He got married to the kids though. Oh, okay. Yeah. She he was the kids. oldest, so he was older than. Yeah. yeah, I know that. I knew that he was older, but yeah, that is. Stephen was probably too young. Yeah. He was too young. So, so I was only one of that. Um, did you did you make a lot of um like were there a lot of lasting relationships that like you had afterwards? Yeah, but the one thing I kinda wished I would have kept more in touch with the guys. Some of the guys would had called me and written me and a few things. I just I should have stayed closer with those guys. It'd be really neat to have a big party now, you know, type yeah. of thing. I don't know how to get all of them. Yeah. Maybe get by one percent. Well, because it's tough too. Yeah. Because they've all you had to, all work all yeah, you'll have to write handwrite. I mean, back then you had to keep in touch. You had well, to write. The biggest we like to see now is how many are still alive. You know, these guys are getting up in age two; they're dying off. So, wow. from the war, the maybe from getting hit by a car, man, what is? Yeah. There were several that um, Kelly and Nevis, yeah. and who was the other one? Kelly was the, a, was, Kelly was uh, Nevis. He was the cute one. was from New York. He <laughs> didn't know how to drive a car. We had because he's from New York. Yeah, because he had grown up on subways and everything. They never had a car in his family. So we had to show him how to drive the Jeep. And because I went, when he, um, he went to basic in Texas and then to um, AIT, is that what they called it? AIT. AIT in California at the base that's no longer there. And then he went back to um, Fort Benning, Georgia. And when he went back to Fort Benning, Georgia, I was able to go with him. So for those six weeks between, uh, it was probably about June-ish until he left in October. So I was able to go back with him. So I got to know some of the guys from um, from the... So that's uh, the one that had a car. Wait, how did, did for the 10 months, did that count with training as well? Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. So you do basic and then he 10 did, months. He did, the, he did basic, then he did the AIT where he was in motor pool. That was his, what they trained him in. And then they went to Fort Benning for jungle training. And six weeks of that, they went to Hattiesburg and actually did war game type things. And then when they finished all that training, then they left for Vietnam. Were you able to get like a a religious deferment at all for anything? Like not a deferment, but like I, well, I don't want to be in benefits. Like hey, you know, I'm going to church today, and, and all of a sudden, guys, well, I'm going to go to church too and get off the base or <laughs> go to Saigon or whatever. So, you know, so. And he did get out of his basic early because his um, commanding officer was also LDS, and. He gave him permission not to have to go to all the graduation stuff, to to so he got the, to leave yeah, early. Need, you're going home? Yes, yeah, sure you are. So, we'll see how this works out. <laughs> lucky sucker. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, sometimes, you know, sometimes like he says, it's who you know. It's who you know. If it's a church thing, it even gets better. What was your, uh, is there like a, 
Is there any memory from when your time in Vietnam that like is stands out as a super happy memory? Uh, probably when you get to, to notice that you're going. On. <laughs> 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 okay, we've got a flight for you. And you'll be leaving. Get your stuff ready. It's already ready. <laughs> well, you had R and R's. They had R and R's where they could R&Rs. leave the country, yeah. and he went to like to Japan for his R and R, and it was like two weeks. Yeah, that's where I found out that the Japanese have the smallest bathtubs in the world. <laughs> I had an old hotel or whatever you want to call them over there, and the bathtub was like about this. <laughs> you sit down, less you than three, your like less than a yard. Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, the like whole, you'd have to like squat your legs and everything. It might have been it? a yard long, probably yeah. a yard long, you know, and you fill it with water. It's very deep. Get in it, yeah. Well, it was probably at least as deep, you know. Just but, a couple feet. Oh, probably eighteen inches. Oh wow! Yeah. It's Maybe. not deep at all. <laughs> <laughs> Regular time. Anyway, I forgot about that. So they d- they did give them R and R's where they were able to leave the country. But you only got to do one R and R. How did they decide that? Who uh, got to like go on vacation? You just have to pick the time and where you want to go. You just get one though, like for per tour yeah. or whatever. I think so. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. What were the options of countries you got to go to? I could have gone to Hawaii. Well, I could have gone. Oh. <laughs> Like yeah, but if I went to Hawaii, I probably wouldn't went back. Did it have to be the Pacific? <laughs> no, like, like that's what. Like, could you have been like, I want to go to Norway, Hawaii, where they could get a military airplane too? Oh, okay. Yeah. So there have to be like a military base somewhere, yeah. and we obviously, didn't, we didn't take the regular. At that time, only twenty years after World War II, <laughs> there's probably a lot of military. There probably still are military bases at Japan. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So happiest memory was leaving, <laughs> going <laughs> home, leaving, going leaving, home. and going on uh, vacation well, from it. Yeah, I can say, when we, when we were leaving Tonsonville down there, it was taking off, and we got up in the air, and the pilot comes down and says, Well, guys, welcome to the land of round-eyed women and fresh milk. That <laughs> plane <laughs> <mine> went berserk. <laughs> Did you enjoy any of, like, the... I don't know, because I've never been in a helicopter. Is that cool at all? Yeah, that's no? cool. Yeah, it is. I mean, obviously, obviously, like, different. It's not like, oh, we're going over a tour of volcanoes. <laughs> I'm saving on a, a helicopter, sitting on the edge with a machine gun. <laughs> just don't let go of the machine gun until we get to the, you know, pull, take your finger off the trigger until we land, type of thing. And so the Vietnamese knew they don't, they didn't want to shoot back at us because they knew that we knew where they were. Their, their, Tracer, their, Tracer. Uh, flashes from their guns wouldn't know where to be shooting at. Yeah. So they just play cool. The helicopters go over, or else there'll be more helicopters here. And did you did you ever have to go? Like you said that you would just. Did you ever like have to? Like I, I think I already asked. Did you ever like do patrols where you had to like go out, or were you pretty much just? I I because of my job being the uh, the tank commander's personal driver, unless he he wanted to go out one time, I went with him. Yeah. Yeah. And then we were out in a foxhole. Uh, it's pretty deep too. It was about eight feet deep that they dug that thing. They had steps to get down in there, and a canvas type of thing over it to, to hide to hide it, and uh, that was a fun life. Yeah, and that was so that was the only time they had to do that though. Yeah, that's nice. It's back to the who do you know thing. And being at the motor pool, that's a whole nother position than any other thing you have in the military. Well, those other guys are going out every day, patrolling in the jungles. We'd always stayed right back at our little main camp all the time, change oil on the jeeps and da 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 da. Right, that was it. So you said it's like about who you know and whatnot. Like, is that how you got the job originally when they were training you back in the U.S. or? No, it's when you get there. It's who you know. I t- that was a. What's the, their position? 
talk to them the right way. I said, hey, you know, I can do this. I used to, I used to do drawings for the guys who, the, the, you know, help them do their maps and stuff because I had architecture in school and, and uh, mechanical drawing and all that stuff. And so that was another big plus because I had that background. So they said, hey, come down, we need to have some drawings done. Make some plans or whatever. I said, sure, I can do that. Was the motor pool the luck of the draw? No, was, the motor pool was, I knew it was going to be a good place to be because of the fact it, it was in the, that was in the center of the patrols. So we were right in the middle, so every, all the battle guys were farther out, farther out, farther out than doing all what they do. But we were the hub, hub of that whole thing right there at the motor pool mm -hmm. because that's where the battalion commander tent was. So our main guy lived right on that same little area there. So, of course, they were going to protect him. Didn't you change, though? You weren't motor pool to begin with. You were a driver for the well, battalion chief. And then when you changed to the motor pool, then you no longer drove him? Didn't someone else take your place driving the battalion chief? Well, he didn't go out very often. Usually he could pick who he wanted to take him somewhere. And if I wasn't using a jeep to go to church or something else and was available, he'd pick me. Because I could, you know, being a graduate of school, I could talk a little bit of his language. Of course, the rest of the guys also couldn't speak English, but Spanish and everything else, you know. So, but, you know, that's who you know. Yeah, was it what, what you know and who you know. What you know. Which is, which is ultimately how most of life is <laughs> as well. I say. Nothing, no, nothing different in war at all. Yeah. Um, what was it like for you, Mom, like... Was there ever, because I, I like see movies like We Were Soldiers with Mel Gibson and there's like a, a scene like, was was that just like a, a horrible 10 months? Like most difficult 10 months? Or like, I don't know. Because I just imagine like thinking of it from my perspective of just like, if I just had to like imagine one of you like fought like, oh, I have no real contact with you for 10 months. You're in a hot zone. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I think that I wasn't by myself. I think it would have been more difficult had I been by myself. But I moved back home with my mom, and I had a job, so I kept busy. Um, most of the information that you got about the war was newspapers. I mean, you did hear some things um, on the news. Um, he was really good. I mean, we both wrote every day to each other, so we were able to and keep in contact. Yeah. You know, how how fast would letters. those travel? Not bad. It was amazing. You know, you get it in and then take it. Because take it's, it. A, it's an APO. You put an APO address and then the, the military yeah. flies it to them, yeah. And so it doesn't like... Planes going back to yeah. states and stuff that's coming up is coming right back in too. The worst time is because where I knew where he was and there was the reports about the shelling of the air base <coughs> and then um, waiting. You know, to waiting, hear what happened. Yeah, waiting to see... You know, everything was all right. But one thing is, I think the military is really good about letting you know right away. So you really don't want anyone to come into your door. Mm -hmm. You know, but uh, yeah, that was tough. How, how long was that for? Like right after it got shelled, was it relatively was quick that news, you found out? Yeah. In the newspaper, it was probably relatively quick. Yeah, like yeah. probably next day. Yeah, and then, yeah. Next but, day. but was it quick in finding out like everything was fine? Not everything was fine, but you know what I mean? Um, everything was fine. I think bad. that we had to wait. And, I think that we had to wait a while before the letters came because 
you know, if everybody's okay, they don't, you know, the, the service doesn't send out a notice that you, these guys are okay. They only send out a notice, these guys are dead. Gotcha. You know, so yeah, you didn't want two guys. So it was it was hard coming to your front door to talk about. Well, that that that's the scene I'm describing from right. the movie We Were Soldiers. Is they have the scene where they have the two people and they're just okay. going to tons of people's houses, yeah. and then yeah, right. So yeah, the women there, those women, you know, they seen those guys coming up. Man, they're already falling apart right. before they can find out what they wanted. They sure did wasn't bringing them good news. Yeah, they're just missing two more people and four horses. Yeah, and I think too, I think that. Monty's mom knew about it before I did. That it was fine, or no, knew about the um, the shelling because she, she got, I think, the mail every day. She and woke I, up earlier. The, the newspaper, you know, type thing. Because I think that the newspapers where we heard about it, not on TV. Mm-hmm. I mean, it may have been, but you know, like I said, it's it's <laughs> different. It wasn't like you hear the same story over and over and over again, you know, for twelve hours on the news today. But um, yeah, that was. Um, that was pretty scary. There was also another gal there whose husband was in Vietnam, and that helped too. That was in, in oh, where ward. you worked? Yeah, no, in our ward, in yep. the church, and so um, that was helpful. That we, you know, kind of supported each other that way. It would, as, as people came home from Vietnam, and I think probably more so after he came home. Because that Tet Offensive, he came home in, in October, Tet Offensive was that January. And so when the Tet Offensive started is when the real protests and all that kind of thing, and, and he was already home by then, so I don't think that he got as much of, of that um, antagonistic attitude from people as others, and, and he did not go around telling them and telling everybody that he had been in the war either. You know, he wasn't... Okay, so so just for people like a little history lesson, what was the Tet Offensive? Uh, during no. Tet, do you, do you know? Go ahead. Okay, during the Tet Offensive, that's like the first part of January. It's a, a holiday in Vietnam, and they declared a um, ceasefire. And so during that Tet Offensive, nothing was supposed to happen, which I always think is weird when they have ceasefires and wars. Um, and the Viet Cong did not honor that, and so they sneak attack. Okay, so they broke that. the broke the. Um, they had. They broke the uh, ceasefire. Thank you. They broke the ceasefire and came in and attacked, and then it escalated from there. So there was a big escalation at that time in the number of people that came over and in the um, the war itself or the. And that, war. but that is when Americans were not as okay with it. Was after right. that because they were starting to pull more, and a lot of Americans were dying, right? Comparatively to before, right? Who was it that we had that was stealing the generator, and it fell and broke his leg, <laughs> and so they sent him to Japan to heal. If they never came back after, I guess after he got there, he went home or whatever. <laughs> And it was interesting, too, he tells the story of uh, during that, um, after the shelling of the oil dump, the next morning that uh, uh, another soldier (laughs) cut himself shaving, and they thought that he had been injured by shrapnel, and he he got a purple heart. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) I I didn't send him home because it wasn't that. The shrapnel I've got is the... 
to me was the story of the whole thing. Because the fact of being a construction guy and having built the thing to hold up my netting, the one by three that went right along at head height, that's where the, that's where the chaparral came out of. Because when we got hit, it, it came into our play. But the shrapnel, shrapnel for me hit the wood. You don't have to answer this if you don't want to. How was everyone else in your particular bunk? We had other people that got hurt in there, yeah. 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 Like I say, so when I left, my bed went up for dead. <laughs> you know, type of thing. Hey, I'll give you so much for that. I'll take your place. And you guys spied it out. I don't care. Take it. I, don't, I, don't, I also don't need the bed anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, can, you, you can all have it. Just share it. Yeah. I just want a piece of the wood off of it. <laughs> take home for a souvenir. Was there anyone during that um, shelling that was uh, killed in action? Or were they just injuries? I, don't, I can't remember that happening, no. Because it didn't happen that often, one thing. And, uh, of course, then we went on our maneuvers one time. That was a whole other story. We, were, we dug in, like I said, about at least six, seven feet deep. And then a big canvas or whatever over it, probably for the rain reason. Uh, that was a long ride. Yeah. yeah. That's no, wonder, well, it's no we wilderness did, survival. Yeah, we would have had a few people out there fighting the thing, and that's when they really like to go crazy. But for whatever reason, they didn't find us, I guess. And so that night got through, and we went back, and I said, I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> it was a long night. What was the weather like, like you said, for the rain or whatnot? all the time. Temperature-wise, it was great. Yeah. It'd be a great place to go on a vacation. But it rained all the time? It rained a lot, yeah. Because just all, most of my knowledge for, uh, for Vietnam <laughs> weather comes from Forrest Gump. <laughs> Uh, and from movies, because obviously I've never been to Vietnam and I don't remember, but it just seemed like it would rain all the time. Yeah, it would rain all the time. Was it like Florida-ish, sort of? Uh, like, it wasn't that hot? It, it was cooler? For, you know, maybe half hour, it didn't clear up. But was it like really hot at all? Oh yeah, it was all humid over there. Yeah. That's why you couldn't have khakis that were nice and dry, because as soon as you put them on, it was just so sweat, everything else, so the humidity and everything, it would be wet. So they didn't really push us on making sure you're looking nice. A lot of dehydration, I would assume. I, don't, I mean, it's humid, so that might help the skin, but like... Yeah, but we have plenty of water to drink. Yeah. You know, so... And a lot of soda pop. In fact, we actually... I had a business while I was over there at the motor pool where I run a uh, Coke machine thing. I got a big barrel of thing that I got... The guys would bring me the Coke since I'd gone to cases of it and ice from it. And I put that in, and when the... Our fighting guys had come back to our main place there. They were all just wiped out. And so they'd come over and buy the Coke and beer from me. Yeah. <laughs> you were the, you were the, the barkeep. Yeah. Entrepreneur. Were there a lot of, were there a lot of, I'm assuming there, you were, were you the only bar open? <laughs> I was the only one smart enough to have a bar. <laughs> put it that way. Well, because most of those guys didn't think in, along the business type of thinking. They were just there, you know, changing the oil in the Jeep and, putting tires on or whatever, working on the engines and getting them fixed and here's the Jeep's ready, take it back out again. That type of thing. Any people that you, I mean, you said, you mentioned a little bit before, any people that you really li- like, really liked and enjoyed being around? Or for the most yeah. part, it's like, we're just making the best of this. <laughs> uh, they, they were like the Nevis and who was it? Uh, Kelly. Who was the guy that when he ran, he looked like it's going 100 miles an hour and he wasn't going anywhere. It was so funny in basic camp though when they when they had that. Okay, we all gotta go out and run so far, you know, and everybody just stood there and laughed their heads up at this guy came. Well start moving though, you gotta go forward when you run. <laughs> um so then uh 
when you you said the best day was when you were told that you were coming home. Oh, yeah. um, any was a, a flight was planned and the whole thing, and you'd be down at the air base, and they're going to put you on and send you home. And as soon as we were high enough, and the pilot came out and said, the bullets are too, can't make it this high now, so then the plane went crazy. Hey, we're free. Did, did you, uh, what was like the first things that you did getting back Kiss on American ground. soil? Kiss the ground. Is that like what a lot of people did? <laughs> yeah. Bigger, it's back. You know, you don't know about freedom until you lose it. The type of thing where you're, you don't know what's going on. This country is just so incredible because of our freedom. But even today, in some of these other countries, you know, they don't know day from day what's going on. So that was the main thing, the fact that we had freedom again to not have to worry, looking over our shoulder all the time. To see if another bomb is going to go off somewhere, a hand grenade or who knows what. Now you got to go watch your drunk drivers. And you probably had to watch for drunk drivers there too. Yeah. <laughs> Since you were supplying them, <laughs> no, I know they were driving me to be the driver. They knew I didn't drink. <laughs> um, did uh, did you start? Uh, did you like? Oh, all right, we gotta. Where, where'd you return? Where, what like San Francisco? San Francisco. San Francisco. Direct flight. Did you stop in Hawaii? I think we stopped in Hawaii. Yeah. Changed planes or something around the way down. They actually um, landed at an Air Force base, and then they. Bust them to the air, to the other airport or something. They bust them somewhere. Because yeah. I'm gonna. I guess about all the things I can remember about coming home was not pilot drunk. But it's all right, guys. Welcome to the line. We're on right away. No more fighting and killing and stuff. And then we're home. So we were off the ground in an American plane going home. Did you um? <coughs> did you uh? What was your first meal when you got back? Like tacos. <laughs> Probably tacos. <laughs> well, it's just the only the only reason that I asked that because like the the only experience I have with like leaving the country for a long period of time coming back was my mission, and obviously a much different thing, <laughs> a much different thing compared to uh, compared to what you did, um, and that just seemed to be like I, I try to think of the coming home things like I, I, it's similar but not obvious. I, I feel like this is gonna come off really wrong as I say this, but because I'm not trying to make a, an equivalency between our two experiences, but I do feel like when you see that, um, like the welcome to the United States thing, like in like the airports, yeah. just like, I think I took a picture of it because of, it was like, <laughs> we're back. Yeah. And like, and like what I went through was obviously nothing compared to what you went through. So I can only, with my little experience, imagine what you're like, I just try to magnify that little experience to what I imagine you went through. Yeah. Um, so when did when did protesting start? Like the seventies? Yeah. Because the Ted offensive, what you're talking about, was in like sixty eight, uh, sixty yes, sixty eight. September twenty third, nineteen sixty eight. It ended. Um, it ended. The Ted offensive. According according to Wikipedia. <laughs> when did it, it, say it started? It started January thirtieth, nineteen sixty eight. Ended September twenty third, nineteen sixty eight. And, and you didn't care about protesters, right? No. There wasn't one of them. Well, and there wasn't... And you guys... by Would you guys have been back in Southern California? Yeah, we then? were in Southern California. Mm-hmm. We were there until 72. In 72, we went to Northern California. So, yeah, there were a lot of protesters. Not... But... I think you 
big protesters were like in New big York cities. and you know Washington D.C., San Francisco, San Francisco, yeah. you know that type of thing. You didn't see a lot in Long Beach yeah. or in Linwood. And most everyone was fine with you. Like like mom said, you weren't like going around and be like, hey, right? I didn't go around wearing I a uniform. My uniform around town when I got home. <laughs> yeah. Well, what uh, like how how do you want your your Vietnam like legacy remembered? I guess. Passed by. And I, and I went and I did what the country wanted me to do. Served his country so honorably. Yeah, you know, yeah. Hey, come on, I need you over here for a little help. Well, let's get it over with. Go home. I'm even happier. We were so blessed that he came home. Yeah. So you're not like no, that's it that, was it someone to Japan and had a broken leg or something. He was in a hospital for all. Like forever, but he never came back. They finally, once he got well, he sent him home. Which one that was? He was the one that dropped the. He was stealing <laughs> something from a friend from the fridge that broke his leg. Stealing, stealing something to sell. You know. But you something that you just said. You weren't one of those people who you did. You ever wear your uniform again in any type of manner? Only, I think I did a little bit. My t- old your school to talk to the kids over there. Okay. I yeah. think that. Nowadays, most most people that I've been in contact, and maybe it's just because we're in a you know a smaller town, or or you know, they had a um, for Veterans Day. One of the teachers does a thing where they invite the veterans and have a little program and stuff for them. And he wore part of his uniform. I don't know if we could find all of his uniform anymore. Take the M sixteen. And the other thing is. Um, when he wears his hat, and he didn't get that until well, probably about four Recently. or five years yeah, ago. I haven't yeah. Seen, yeah. He gets a lot of thank you for your service. And it says Vietnam on it, so I think that there are a lot of people that really appreciate that and, and <laughs> do, do think that that was a whole generation of people who served their country honorably who were not... Um, by the general, not everybody, but by a lot of the population, not given the respect that they deserved. But that's changed now. Yes. I, I feel like it yeah. has. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Um, because like I think I led off with at the beginning, I feel like that was our last real war. Once again, I realized it wasn't a war, but it was our last... Military, whatever they called it. No, it's just like the last time that... Well, that was devastating, was how I would say it. Because like I look at, I look, at, I do a lot of. I've been listening to a podcast called Hardcore History. They do, they talk a lot about wars, uh, Alexander the Great, Caesar, all the way up to World War One, World War Two, Vietnam, like tons of different stuff. And like just hearing numbers alone, um, we haven't we haven't been dying like we did before. Obviously, World War One was. Horrible for the world in general, not as bad for America. And then World War II was horrible for everybody. Yeah. Um, and then Vietnam was just another one of those... I haven't looked at Korean War numbers, but I feel like Vietnam was like the last time that we saw heavy casualty rates. Mm-hmm. And then now we see way less. The war on terror, way less. One, because it's the automation of war. Right. You just you just send your, your planes in that are bombing <laughs> right. places. Um, not to say that there aren't people that are fighting, which I realize I've, I've, I don't want it to come across that I think that like the military is weaker than it's ever been because technically it's stronger than it's ever been. But I, I would, I would 
I wonder... I think we'd be fine. I think humans endure, actually. Like, I feel like if we had another Vietnam now, we'd figure it out sort of thing. So I don't want to make it sound like I'm thinking, like, now is soft and cushy. We're leaving in a much better time. <laughs> like, it's a much better time than, than uh, like, the world wars and everything, the atomic age. Um, but I, I do think that's interesting that I feel like, like, like what you said, like, humans survive. Um, like, that's ultimately... It's ultimately what we're, what's, what's that word? Evolutionarily, that's what we're bred to do. Right. Um, and I don't know, I just, I, I hope that a lot of people don't take advantage, like, because this is what I want. This is, like, maybe this is how I, I don't want people to take advantage of the great wars and the great heroes that we have had now. Like, because, like I said in the beginning as well, I feel like there's a lot of people who, think that they're great for being in the military now because of our greatness in like the turn of the century. So basically from World War One to Vietnam was like our the greatest I mean, once again people think we lost Vietnam, but I feel like that was the greatest showing of American strength was during that time. We turned the tide in World War One, we turned the tide in World War Two. Um Korea we did well. Um Vietnam Vietnam we did well because I, I can only imagine we were talking about we didn't do all out warfare against them. Had we gone all out warfare against them, none of no one would like. And I think that's why people complain about Vietnam is because we could have just gone in and boom, yeah. Vietnam's destroyed. But then you have the ethical dilemma of is it worth killing all of those innocent civilians, like the people that were coming and washing, uh, making your bed for the garbage and everything like that? Like, do we want to see those people die as well? Um, it's just it, it turns into this huge. It's sad that so many people at the top ultimately have get to decide what happens to the people that are the at the bottom. Problems often. Yeah. You have to remember too, which you probably already know, that every war has been like that. The civilians, a lot yeah. of civilians are killed. And you look at the bombings in Germany and the bombings in England and and um, in World War One, you know, where they went through and you know, decimated places. And the people, a lot of the people that were killed were innocent victims, you know, just innocent people who just lived in the, the place and they got bombed. <laughs> and that's where it is so different today where they're, not that I want people to go in and get bombed, but they take into consideration, you know, all those people that, like you said, in Vietnam, had they gone in and just taken care of it, there may have been, ultimately, the number of lives lost may have been less. Because that was a long, you know, from when he Super started long war. Until, until they were pulling people out of Vietnam. Ten years. Yeah, it was ten, ten years, years. of fairly significant right. casualty rates going right. on all the time. Um, what was my so? I think we could. We're all in agreement that war is bad. <laughs> yeah. Definitely, war is bad. That uh, just interested on in your opinion on America's sort of position as a lot of people see America just kind of like the world police sort yeah, of thing. We're the big brother, you know. They know that we can we can straighten anything out that should ever happen around the world. We got the power to do it, and the technical people and the minds and everything else. So that's why so many countries wouldn't even think about attacking America. Do do you 
do you wish that America was a little more isolationist at all? No. No. I think they'll just keep doing what they're doing and keep raising children and dogs and chickens <laughs> and enjoying life, getting on with their lives, being school people, principals, and people in the office at the schools. Did you have um, Did you have any opinions on the leadership at that time at all? When you do that, I mean, you're not going to be able to change it. So you just go with the flow. I mean, maybe thinking more about t- talking to somebody about who to vote. And next time we have a president election, you know, I don't want to vote for that idiot. So make sure you vote for this idiot. <laughs> I think too in that situation they were more concerned about getting out alive than who was the president well I, I don't even mean just presidential I mean like generals yeah. uh, just the entire leadership that was involved in Westmoreland was the question about how was our leadership over there yeah like yeah. generals how did you feel about the way the generals were they felt the same way. Hey, you know, it's my job. I'm here to do it. But I just assumed I wasn't here to have to do a, a war thing. We don't mind to protect the people, but we don't want to have to kill people. Because, you know, you get all the bad out of other countries that want to try to take over everybody else. So you got to have America that they can all turn to when they need help. And it's great to be in a country where you are the one that they turn to. Because we are the king of the world. Or is that type of thing, Bill? Interesting. Uh, um, I don't know if his name was Bill at all. Uh, Westmoreland's one of his first quote is the military don't start wars, politicians start wars. Yeah, there you go. Just a very interesting concept, and I feel like things have changed so much since Vietnam. As far as like, man, I don't feel like I don't feel like we do it. But I feel like the president has way too much power. Like, because like I said, that that. All of Vietnam, there wasn't a war. Like they never declared war. It's supposed it's the Please Congress is supposed to declare war, and it just shows you that the amount of power that one person holds is kind of terrifying. But at the same time, there is a control on them, though. They can't just one day wake up and say, "Hey, we're going to go bomb and start a war." You got people that are step forward and say, well, we got to talk about this a little bit more. Well, I mean, you hope. Because I, I just, I, I don't know exactly how it was back, like, right after the atomic bomb. Like, I, I just imagine, um, I was going to say Dwight Eisenhower. That's not who it was. I just imagine Harry Truman, after he releases those bombs, just like, I'm the first one that did it. I can do it whenever I want. Because... Because I did it once. Yeah, yeah. And I just imagine... <clears throat> but it's like the mutualist destruction that went through the entire Cold War. Um, that's it's it, it's it is nice and refreshing to be like well at least we never did it again like it is fairly impressive like we have that power and we haven't unleashed it again as humans because mm-hmm. we realize the devastation that it can cause so the other countries yeah that's the main thing that you got the bigger state well everybody well see what sucks now too is that everybody maybe not to the same extent as America but do you really need much more than the atom bomb to do crazy destru- destruction? And everybody's got an atom bomb now, if that yeah. makes sense. You know, like, yeah. it, like you, you, cool, you, you just have a bomb that can destroy all of Russia as opposed to just wiping out half of Russia. Then if you set off the atmosphere, you could just destroy the entire world. So it's, I, I, I think it shows to the human spirit, like even with crazy, like 
North Korea and stuff with Russia, like we're still not seeing people because they don't want to die either. They they like to threaten and yeah, bang their chest, but ultimately like crazy leaders. Their problem. No, yeah, 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 I'm just saying, like, even though their leaders are crazy, they're still not like because right. they know like Stalin was crazy, and when he got that, he never said anything off. He was in like a he just killed all his own people. Forgive the language. He was in a pissing contest with uh, Truman. Yeah all the time, and then Eisenhower afterwards. Well, that's... Uh, I don't know if you guys have any last things that you want to say. That was enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just going to say that I don't know all the, the things about the politicians and the military people um, and who listens to who, but I just have thought that if politics could stay out of the war the war would probably be over faster <laughs> yeah in one way I, I like in one way or another letting those who know what they're doing handle right. their right. you know the one thing that the Don never recovered of it I'm probably the only guy in our group that didn't ever get a venereal disease what? <laughs> never messed around well that's great I, yeah, we're I, really glad about that I have heard I have heard that uh that, that it was a very common thing that getting, was going on in Vietnam. Guys were always getting shots. Yeah, you gotta get them with the wrong girls. I think that's a great place <laughs> to end it. Let's end it on venereal diseases. The, I love the fact that this is probably going to be the, the, the one podcast I've done that I'm gonna have to edit the most for language. <laughs> and it's the one that I did with my parents. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just wanna thank everybody for listening. And uh, the next time we have something that we want to talk about, hope you'll give us a listen. Feel free to like, comment, and continue the conversation by following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud. Subscribe to us on iTunes, and if you are feeling especially generous, leave us a review on iTunes. We prefer five stars, but value the truth more. We plan on keeping this free to listeners forever, because we love you. Thanks for listening, and let's keep being better. Dying young always helps. Yeah. Let's take a shot of Listerine. Speaking of that, I can still remember the kids. Uh, Sister Tolman lived about seven, eight houses down from us. And going down there one time, because she had uh, some kids that were older and younger than me, that one that enough of them she could kind of play a little bit together. And I was in there one time, I seen her smoking. I thought, well, I thought she was a member of the church and active. But because of her health issues, that she was smoking marijuana for her really? health issue. Yeah.